Welcome to More Christianity. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, your host for this weekly program in which we discuss the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. Week by week, we have a different program. We talk to converts. We explore different devotions in the Church. We explore Catholic culture. We talk together about the supernatural dimension of the faith. In all these different programs and in all these different ways, we're trying to share with our listeners the enthusiasm we have for the Catholic faith and the understanding that God's grace flowing to us through the Catholic faith is also coming to us through our history, through our culture, through architecture, literature, through liturgy, through music, through the scriptures. In many, many different ways, we're exploring the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church with enthusiasm, with zeal, and I hope with joy. Today, one of our guests is actually a convert from the Episcopal Church. He's now a Catholic priest. He's also uh, the rector of the National Shrine to the Infant Jesus of Prague in Prague, Oklahoma. His name is Price Oswalt, and he's going to be our guest in the second half of the program. The Infant of Prague is a particular devotion that I feel strongly towards, and it's a strange that I do because I have to confess, as a convert to Catholicism myself, it's not a devotion which was immediately attractive to me. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with this, this is a statue of baby Jesus, usually about 20 inches high. There are smaller versions of them as well, but about 20 inches high, wearing a crown and and richly ornamented robes, also holding an orb and a scepter as the king. And I have to admit, I looked at this and it it just looked like baby Jesus all dressed up. And I, I didn't understand it. In fact, sometimes before I was a Catholic, I would actually make fun of the infant of Prague a little bit, not in a malicious way, but just... Uh, because I didn't understand. And Catholics need to understand also that some of these devotions, like the Infant of Prague, have a lot of cultural baggage with them. They have a lot of cultural history to them. And converts don't understand all that. Uh, They don't understand uh, what the image means and what effect it has and why Catholics are attracted to it or, or devoted to it. However, one of the things which I discovered in my journey of faith was a little saying by the Anglican writer F.D. Morris, that a man is most often right in what he affirms and wrong in what he denies. In other words, when you're saying yes to God, when you're saying yes to something new, when you're being open-minded and trying to see the good in something, you're on the right track. It's when you're being negative and narrow-minded and bigoted and closing things down and saying, no, 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 that can't be right, that you're on the wrong track. And so with that attitude in mind, that a person is most often right in what he affirms and wrong in what he denies, I had a second look at the infant of Prague, and, and this is how it happened. I was in Oklahoma on a speaking engagement, and I wanted to go out to Clear Creek Monastery, a monastery in, in the countryside which is known for its uh, youth and vigor in following the, the way of St. Benedict. But my host said it would take three or four hours to get there, and you needed a jeep because it's so far out in the country, you had to bounce through the countryside and down through streams and use a four-wheel drive to get there. So they said, let's take you instead to the National Shrine of the Infant of Prague. So off we went to the town of Prague, Oklahoma. And why it's called Prague, Oklahoma, you'll you'll hear in the second half of the, the show when we talk to the rector of the National Shrine. And we arrived there, and I went in and saw the Infant of Prague and, and met the rector and began to hear the whole story. And the story of, of the Infant of Prague is actually very, very fascinating. The tradition is that the first statue was a wooden statue carved by a monk in the Middle Ages in Spain, and that he gave the statue to St. Teresa of Avila. She, in turn, gave the gift to a member of the Spanish royal family, Doña Maria Manrique de Lara y Mendoza. And this member of the Spanish nobility had a daughter who became Princess Polixena von Lobkowitz. She married into the Bohemian royal family, and she took this already ancient and precious image of baby Jesus 
to Bohemia. Eventually, uh, she gave this family treasure to the Carmelites in Prague, and the image was placed there in the Carmelite church in Prague, where it remains still. People began to have a devotion to the infant of, of Prague, and they began to honor the infant of Prague. And before too long, a little phrase was attached to the devotion to the infant, which said, the more you honor me, the more I will bless you. Well, devotion to the child Jesus was very popular in Spain. And then when the Spanish and Portuguese explorers came to the New World, they brought the image with them. And therefore, it became very popular all across South America and Central America as well. As the Native uh, Americans were converted to the Catholic faith, uh, they also developed an attachment and a love for this image of the child Jesus, especially the child Jesus dressed in the, the robes of royalty. Now, what does it all mean and how does it all connect? I'd like to explore a little bit the theology of this particular devotion and why it's so meaningful. To do that, I want to take you back to my own visit to the National Shrine when I knelt in front of the image in the shrine and had a prayer and and said to the Lord, Lord, what is all this about? Open my heart to this image and, and help me to understand. And I began to see that really this image of the infant Jesus dressed in royal robes is an image of two powerful aspects and understandings of the Lord Jesus coming together in one powerful image. The first aspect is the aspect of royalty. We see Jesus in this image dressed as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He has the orb in his hand, which represents the fact that he has the whole world in his hands. He has the scepter of power, which the scriptures say the scepter will not depart from between his feet, that he's therefore not only the son of David and the King of Israel, but he's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He wears the diadem on his head or the crown on his head showing that he's been crowned and sits at the right hand of the Father as the Lord not only of the world and not only the King of Israel, but also the King of the cosmos, the King of the universe. So when we see the infant Jesus dressed in the royal robes, wearing the diadem and carrying the orb and the scepter, we're seeing Christ the King. Now, in Catholic iconography, in Catholic imagery, we very often see Christ the King as the fearful judge of all the great Christ Pantocrator, the one who is uh, very often huger than life-size in mosaics and frescoes up in the dome of the ancient churches, and he seems to be a stern judge, the judge who will send the damned to hell and raise the saved to heaven. But in the infant of Prague, we see the king of the universe, we see the king of kings and lord of lords coming to us as a little child, and there is the paradox and there is the irony of our Catholic faith that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords comes to us as an ordinary, innocent, and vulnerable little baby. Now, this is the second aspect of our devotion to the Lord in the Infant of Prague. The second aspect is him coming as a little one. St. Therese of Avila, a great Carmelite saint, had a devotion to the infant Jesus. And another famous Carmelite who had a great devotion to the infant Christ, of course, was Therese of Lisieux, the little flower. Remember, her name in religion is Teresa of the Child Jesus and the Holy Face. She also, like Teresa of Avila, had a great devotion to the infant Christ, to Christ, the King of the universe, coming to us as a little child. In fact, it was this devotion to the child Jesus which helped Therese of Lisieux to formulate her own little way of spirituality. I've written more about this in my book, St. Benedict and St. Therese, The Little Rule and the Little Way. That's available from my website, DwightLongenecker.com. And you can learn there more about St. Therese of Lisieux and her wonderful little way. The little way is simply this, that you cannot enter into the kingdom of the Lord unless you become like a little child. Quoting that verse from the Gospels itself, that we must become like little children ourselves in order to enter into the kingdom. 
And so we see the little toddler, we see the little infant who is also the king of kings and lord of lords, and we remember that we cannot enter into that king's kingdom unless we become like little children ourselves. How do you do that? Well, Therese of Lisieux points the way, and she says, I developed a simple childlike trust in the good God. I knew that I was in my papa's arms, as she puts it. She trusts him completely, and she walks with him completely, knowing that he will only ever do what is good for her despite life's sufferings and difficulties and trials. The other aspect of becoming like a little one is that little children don't know everything. They they have a lot to learn. And as a result, most little children have a, a lively and an, an active curiosity. They're always open to wanting to learn more, wanting to know more. They're always asking questions. They're always curious. As we get older, we fall into the trap very often of becoming narrow-minded and close-minded. Instead of not knowing anything at all, we think we know it all. And becoming like the little child reminds us that we have to go back again and again and remind ourselves that the world the Lord has put us into is a huge and vast and wonderful world. There's more to it than we can ever understand. There's more to his ways than we can ever understand. There's more to his providence that we can ever understand. We have to develop within ourselves that same joyful open-mindedness, that same desire to continue to ask questions that a little one has. This is part of the little way, not just to be childish, but to be childlike, not to be some kind of a humble doormat on which everyone tramples, but to have the liveliness and the playfulness and the joy that children have. All of those traits of little children are the things we need to relearn as adults, those things we need to accept as a gift from God and as a grace from God so that we can continue to grow more like the King of Kings, who we also see in the Infant of Prague. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker. This is More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. In just a moment, we're going to talk to Price Oswald, who is the rector of the National Shrine of the Infant of Prague in Prague, Oklahoma. Before we continue with the program, I'd like to share with you one of the books I've written. Catholicism Pure and Simple is just that. It introduces people to the Catholic faith using simple language and goes step-by-step through the reason Jesus Christ came into the world, the Holy Spirit, the foundation of the church, the sacraments, the life of prayer, and and the life of being a Catholic. I wrote Catholicism Pure and Simple in order to share the Catholic faith with people who need to be evangelized. I've also used it for 8th grade confirmation and RCIA. Connect with Catholicism Pure and Simple. You can find it on my website, DwightLongenecker.com. And now, back to more Christianity. This is Father Dwight Longenecker, and you're listening to More Christianity, the program where we explore the fullness of the Christian faith in the Catholic Church. This week we're talking about a particular devotion, which is particularly Catholic, and this is the devotion to the Infant of Jesus of Prague, or called the Infant of Prague. We discussed in the first half how this is a, an image of Jesus Christ as an infant, as a child, and the great devotion which many Catholics have to this particular image of Jesus in the world. My guest now in the second half of the program today is Father Price Oswalt. He is the rector of the National Shrine of Infant of Jesus at Prague, and it's actually pronounced Prague. Isn't that right, Father? It is. We changed it a little bit here in Oklahoma to Prague. And the town of Prague, Oklahoma, is about 70 miles east of Oklahoma City. And here you will find the National Shrine to the Infant Jesus of Prague, which is a shrine and a pilgrimage center for those with this particular devotion. And Father Price Oswald is the rector there. He runs the different programs which happen there at the shrine. I think the shrine is also the the parish church of of Prague. Is that correct? It is. The parish is under the title of St. Wenceslaus. 
It's been around since the 1900s, 1903, mm-hmm. and the shrine has been here since 1949. Tell us, how did the shrine, National Shrine to the Infant of Prague end up right smack dab in the middle of America in Oklahoma? Well, it all related back to the uh, post-World War II days when the, the local pastor needed to raise money to build a new church. He was introduced to the devotion through some Mercy Sisters, the Sisters of Mercy, and uh, as it happened, they told him about uh, entrusting his needs to the infant, so he brought a statue in, and as, it, as our tell tells us, that around Christmas time, 1947, he stopped in front of the infant and he said, okay, do something. Yes. And so uh, within months, the uh, he had enough money to build a new church. He went to the bishop and said, I, I think we should honor the infant in some way. And the bishop said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, maybe change the name of the church, maybe do something like that. And our bishop was very fortuitous. He said, well, you know, Father... No, because of World War II and how the communists have taken over part of Europe, including now Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. no one can go to Prague, but they could come to Prague. So he instructed him to write to Rome to seek permission to establish the devotions here in the States so that all those Czechs and, and Slovaks who had immigrated here during the war mm-hmm. uh, could uh, possibly come here to have the devotions to the infant of Prague. And did that work? It did work. It did work. Uh-huh. And so he... Uh, he wrote to Rome, and in August 1949, uh, the Carmelite General Superior, who then had had the custody of the devotions, uh, gave this place the permission to establish them. It was a slow process at first, but the parish was then converted to a national shrine. The parish kind of took a back seat, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, for a long period. And so today, more than 65,000 people come here annually. Father, you're a convert, like myself. And I have to admit that the devotion to the infant of Prague was not something which was immediately accessible to me. You know, we were a little bit suspicious about statues and images anyway. We we get over that, but the ones that are kind of dressed up and uh, wearing clothing, which seems strange and unfamiliar to us, is difficult to get our heads around. What would you say to listeners or to people who are perhaps non-Catholic Christians who are listening in to explain the importance of this particular image? Sometimes even our Catholic friends our Catholic brothers and sisters will go, Father, who's that little girl up there? Right. <laughs> <laughs> that little girl. Right. It's our blessed Lord. <laughs> so you don't have to get beyond, beyond that, because sometimes they don't even understand, because he's dressed in a dress with a big mantle around him. Mm-hmm. So you have to go, no, no, that's not a little girl, that's our Lord. It's unique because he's he's a little toddler. Right. And uh, I believe the Brazilian monk who carved him in the ninth century it had this fortuitous image that came to him. I think that the appeal is that Sometimes a, a crucifix can be a very scary image. Right. It, it can be kind of frightening to us, especially that I think that's why many of the process took took the, the corpus off the cross, because mm-hmm. it was just a big scary image. But there's nothing scary about a baby. Right. So in a way, Father, what you're saying is that the images of Jesus are given to us as believers in his many different appearances. And here's one that nobody can resist, uh, a little baby. Who can resist a little toddler? <laughs> Is that what right, you're... Exactly. You're, okay. But, but at the same time, you know, he manifests himself as this little child, uh-huh. but he's still sure who's, who he is. You know, his right hand, he's holding his right hand up in a priestly blessing. Right. His left hand is held out to hold a globe, show that he's... He's the king of the universe. He, yeah, right. Right. Then he has this royal diadem on his head because... Mm-hmm. 
He's king of kings and lord of lords. So when we look at the infant of Prague, we're saying, here is the king of the universe. Here is the judge of all the living and the dead. Here is the creator of all things. And here he is as an infant. Now, that is really a profound meditation. And when we contemplate the incarnation of our Lord, who comes and takes human flesh of the Blessed Virgin, really the infant of Prague is a, a powerful image then when you explain it that way. That's right. I always tell people, you know, when the, when the Magi come to, the, to see the Virgin, the child, they don't ask for, where is Jesus? They don't ask for, where is the baby who was born in Bethlehem? Mm-hmm. They say, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Right. They're already identifying his kingship. And so the image of the infant of Prague is a beautiful reminder of Jesus Christ, king of the universe, and king of our hearts. And there's where the personal contact comes. Can you tell me your own experience of coming to appreciate the infant of Prague? I mean, how did it happen to you that you developed this devotion or this appreciation? You know, I, I didn't really have much of a devotion, certainly not as, not as Episcopalian and, and even early my, in my conversion to Catholicism through seminary. Mm-hmm. About two years uh, before I was assigned here, I led the co-group group to uh, all across Poland, and then we went into uh, Prague itself in the Czech Republic, and we got to have Mass at the uh, Our Lady Victor's Church there in Prague. Where the original infant of Prague still is. Where the is. original infant yes. is, you know, mm-hmm. dating back to the 9th century. And um, we were praying, and at the time I was, I was in a temporary assignment, which had lasted almost four years. After having Mass in the church, and we all gathered around the shrine where the original infant is, and, and I knelt down and I was praying, and I, I told the Lord, I said, you know, you can do with me anything you want. Mm-hmm. Just give me something. And I came home, and uh, about six months later, my archbishop called me, and he said, I think I need to make you a pastor somewhere. I said, I'd love to be a pastor again. He said, uh, I think I need to send you to the National Shrine. Right. And I thought, okay. <laughs> that was not something I had anticipated. But, you know, was the answer to my prayer. But I prayed in front of the in, in Prague, and now I was being sent to the National Shrine in Prague. I came here with a great deal of gratitude. Now, right. what particular activities do you have there at the Shrine which does help to further the devotion? Well, certainly... My job as rector, first and foremost, is to be a minister of hospitality to all the pilgrims who come. And as much as I can, I try to give tours around the shrine and help them understand this devotion, how this place is unique, and how it's, how it's such a place of blessing. And then um, we do the novena to the infant of Prague from the 17th through the 25th of every month. Mm-hmm. And during that time, wherever that Sunday is in that cycle, we have what we call Pilgrimage Sunday. So the pilgrims who come that Sunday, and usually we have a standing room only kind of place here. Our little church holds about 220 people, mm-hmm. but sometimes it'll be standing room only. To the articles that uh, specifically specified in the decree from Rome is that the director is to pay special attention to the sick and special attention to the children. Right. And so during that Mass, we call all the sick to the altar, and we pray over them, and uh, then I sprinkle all of them with holy water. At the end of Mass, usually after post-communion prayer, I then call all the children up to me, and I usually sit on one of the altar steps, and I have them gather around me, and I give them a little fervorino, a little prayer, a little uh, instruction, because, you know, kids don't always pay attention to the homily. This is Father Dwight Longenecker, and you're listening to More Christianity. My guest is Father Price Oswalt, who's the rector of the National Shrine of the Infant Jesus of Prague in Prague, Oklahoma. Now, Father, 
I don't think Oklahoma is known as being a very Catholic state. Someone quoted a statistic and said that maybe your population of Catholics is only 4 or 5 percent. That's right. That's about the same as it is here in where I am in South Carolina. Is there an evangelistic element or an evangelization element of the National Shrine? What do your Protestant neighbors make of this? Do they just kind of raise their eyebrows and say, oh, they're just being Catholic over there? Or do they dislike your presence there? Or do you, do you actually have good relations and share this beautiful image with them? Well, it's both. Here in Prague, we're very well known. In fact, the image of the, of the infant is on the city seal. Mm-hmm. So they know we've been here for a long time. But in this little town of 2,100 people, there are 35 churches. Mm-hmm. So it was 35 congregations. So you can imagine what that's like. So our, our little congregation is very small, but let's say we, we pull in 65,000 people. We had to get the uh, state to put up uh, road signs that were sandwiched between two major interstates. So we got the state to put up road signs for us to get people off the interstate to come. And that was uh, it actually took a help from the legislature to get that done, but we had to prove that we have an impact on the society, we have an impact on the economy, we have an impact on tax dollars. Right. Because we do. We have a little gift store here, a little bookstore. And uh, it produces quite an income because and that, that produces tax dollars. Mm-hmm. We are quite uh, well-known in the community, both because of who it is. And, and even Protestants come in, and when they have guests come in, they'll say, well, we have to take you to the shrine. Right. They, may, they may not be Catholic at all, but they'll bring them, show them the shrine. And I would have thought, as a former Protestant yourself, you're able to communicate the heart of what the image of the infant Jesus really means. Am I right that you're able to meet with people and explain, this is about baby Jesus, and he's the king of the universe, and he's the king of your hearts, and do you find that they actually connect with you? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Just this last week, I had a couple that were making their way across country to move from California to uh, Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, she was Catholic, he was not, but he's, he's suffering with cancer. And so she wanted to come in and light a candle for him, and, and so I was able to talk to them a little bit, give him a little tour, and uh, he was quite intrigued. He was like, I, I don't understand. So I, I gave him a little tour, and I explained, and I showed him we have a cabinet full of uh, right. infants, robes, and mm-hmm. vestments. And he was like, well, what, what are all these about? And I said, well, this is, you know, this is when he wears this, this is when he wears that, and I explained to him that that liturgical colors in various times, and our little infant has a a little mink cape, a little ermine fur that he wears at Christmas time. He has better vestments than you and I do, Father. Father, one of the other things about this is that sometimes as Catholics, we become a little bit apologetic and a little bit embarrassed about our Catholic culture, like, oh, yeah, the infant of Prague, I don't want to talk about that, or the, the seven dolors of Mary, or the, or the sacred heart of Jesus, and all these very Catholic images and Catholic devotions. We kind of shy away from, maybe we can't explain them very well, but if we remember that our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, they love the Lord. They love Jesus. They have opened their hearts to his love. They've repented of their sins. They have faith. They've been baptized. I've found if we can explain our Catholic devotions, our Catholic imagery, our Catholic culture to our non-Catholic brothers and sisters, it's amazing how many of them open up and say, wow, no one's ever explained it to me like that before. That's beautiful. The doors are opened up and we build bridges with others and they share in the beauty of our Catholic faith. And I think if we actually make use of these visual things that we have, rather than be embarrassed about them or trying to downplay them, I think they're great evangelistic tools. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. We get lots of Protestants in here because we have these signs up and they're like, well, I have seen a thing on the road many times but I didn't know what it was about. So today I decided to stop it. And so great opportunity just to tell them the story and tell them what the shrine's about and tell them, quite honestly, this, pl- this is a place of miracles. People come here all the time and have miracles happen to them. One of the most touching things I, I recently saw the other day, after Mass, people like to come up and, and be close to the infant, and we have mm-hmm. a 
he's now behind some glass because he's we've gotten some uh, very precious uh, crown for him, and so we put it behind uh, some glass. But he has a cutout at the bottom, so that he still touches him and touches the statue. Mm-hmm. I noticed a young couple up close to him, and the woman was on her knees. And so as I finished uh, investing stuff, I I could then as I came out of the sacristy, I see clearly that she was holding a baby. Mm-hmm. And I walked over to her and I, I asked, "Is everything okay?" And she said, "Oh, it's all fine. It's all fine." But she had tears streaming from her eyes. Uh-huh. And I said, how old is the baby? She said, three days. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, literally, she'd come from the hospital straight to the shrine right. to dedicate the baby to the infant Jesus. Beautiful. That was just powerful. Right. Powerful. And then they spent quite a few quite a few minutes up in the sanctuary area near the infant. And at one point, Daddy took the baby and held him up to the infant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as, a, as kind of a thank you moment to thank the Lord for this baby's safe arrival, and so powerful that they would come all the way here from Oklahoma City, right. three days after the birth of their child, to thank the infant Jesus for this newborn infant. For their newborn. Yeah. Which emphasizes the pro-life aspect of the devotion to the infant of Prague. It's about children, the children that you work with in your parish school. It's about your own children. It's about the children in our society. It's about these children who are abused by broken families and by the cruelty in our society. It's about the children who are starving in Africa. It's about the children who are abandoned in orphanages. It's the children who are aborted. It's about the children who are being cruelly used. And I immediately remembered in looking at Infant Jesus, the Infant of Prague, about the slaughter of the innocents, you know, and how our Lord himself only escaped slaughter as an infant just by God's providence and a miracle. And so all of this is bundled up into this wonderful image. The major message from the infant, even dating back to the 16th century, when he was brought from Spain to Prague, and then when he was handed over to the Carmelites in Prague from the royal family of of Bohemia, the message that was always given is still the message today. Mm -hmm. The more you honor me, the more I will bless you. The more you honor me, the more I will bless you. And that is the message that was given from the infant Jesus, and it's the same message today. That's right. That's right. So the more we give him honor and praise, the more abundant graces he can bestow upon us. It's just that simple. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and our guest today on More Christianity has been Father Price Oswald. He's the rector of the National Shrine of the Infant of Jesus of Prague in Prague, Oklahoma. And I want to let our listeners know about your website, Father. It's just shrineofinfantjesus.org. That's shrineofinfantjesus.org. And you can go there and learn all about the work of the Shrine. Also, Father publishes a monthly newsletter, which comes to you from the Shrine. You can sign up for that and receive that free of charge so that you can be kept up to date. There's prayers and news about the events at the Shrine. Go ahead then to learn more about it from shrineofinfantjesus.org. Father Price, thank you very much for being our guest today. Will you please honor us by saying the prayer to the infant of Jesus to close our program? I will be my honor, Father. This prayer is taken from the... the, uh chaplet to the infant of Prague, and let's pray. Divine infant Jesus, I adore thy cross, and I accept the crosses thou wilt please to send to me. Adorable Trinity, I offer thee for the glory of thy holy name of God, all the adorations of the sacred heart of thy most holy infant Jesus, through him who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. <laughs> 